Hi, this is Neil Miller from the New Zealand Taxpayers Union uh, with our podcast on the new MPs in Parliament, the 2020 class. We're very pleased to have Simon Watts. Uh, We're in his office. He's hosting us very kindly. Uh, And so we're going to ask him some questions because as a new MP, people outside of his North Shore electorate may not know that much about him. We want to try and find out the man, the policies and the politics and also ask him some tricky questions at the end about pop culture. He doesn't know about that part yet. Uh, so, uh, Simon, thank you very much for, for hosting us. Can you tell us about your background before Parliament? Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, thanks very much for being on the podcast. It's, it's great to be here. Look, my background, grew up a typical rural uh, background, farm in the Waikato. I went to university, studied accounting and finance, chartered accountant with Deloitte, and then went overseas uh, and spent the majority of my, sea, uh, my career offshore working in banking uh, in London and also in Ireland. And then had our kids in, in the UK and uh, and came back to New Zealand uh, where I worked uh, as the Deputy Chief Financial Officer at Waitemata District Health Board before uh, getting the opportunity to come into Parliament through uh, the North Shore. What was it like working for the Bank of Scotland during the global financial crisis? Because that was one of the banks that was worst hit. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a heck of an experience. And I guess when I look back on those days in terms of the scale of global uh, uncertainty uh, and the complexity of of working within the investment banking division of, at one point, one of the largest banks in the world, you know, it was an incredibly uh, rewarding and valuable experience. As a, as a, you know, a typical young Kiwi guy uh, that had, you know, trained in New Zealand going into what are large scale institutions. We had a balance sheet of 250 billion pound. And that was our division of the banks. The division of that I was working for was the size of Standard Chartered Bank globally. So that's the scale. And uh, primarily through my career, unlike probably a couple of generations of other banking political leaders that we know of, uh, my period uh, within that sector was around, you know, economic turmoil, deficit management, you know, going through a real bottoming out of the economic cycle. You, know, you remember back when Greece was looking to exit the euro, the GFC was hit it. We had, um, you know, US uh, banks collapsing. You know, God, it was a heck of a time. But I look back on that and go, geez, what a great grounding in terms of experience. So it takes quite a lot for me to get uh, rattled, I think would be fair to say nowadays. Fair enough. Now, what was your motivation for getting into politics at this time of your life? Yeah, look, quite simply, you know, I have a real uh, drive to get stuff done. And I didn't want to sit on the sidelines and be one of those people to say, look, you know, we should do this and that. I wanted to be in there get involved, get hands-on, and actually have the opportunity to make a positive difference for this country. Because I am absolutely positive around the aspirations of this country. I think that New Zealand can and and should get better and stronger uh, than where it is today. I think we're a great country, but I think we can be even better. And I want part of that success story. So speaking of doing things, uh, in your July pre-election goals and commitments, four of the seven were about transport. How do you rate the performance of the Auckland Council, particularly in relation to roading, buses and ferry services? Yeah, look, the reality of, a, of an MP's role is really dealing with local issues. Uh, and I've made it a real focus of uh, my uh, tenure in, as the MP for North Shore to focus on those local issues, which is uh, in the main transport. You would be aware around the, you know, the policy announcements that National made around the second Waitemata Harbour crossing. Uh, that was one of the policy concepts that I spoke leadership with in the lead up. It is absolutely a priority. And it's a good example of 
of large-scale, long-term thinking infrastructure projects that's going to derive value. Coming out of the private sector, when I look at things, it's all about value. And I think the challenge, going back to your question around Auckland Council, is, is that I think you know, we need to continually ensure that our ratepayer, taxpayer money is being used to create value. You know, I think uh, that's where we continuously lead a high degree of focus. I'd like you to finish this sentence. The role of government is... Yeah, to create the structures and frameworks to enable the private sector to, you know, create value. Uh, that is pretty much how I see, you know, the role of government. There is an element in terms of obviously providing the uh, social support network uh, to our population. But, you know, the reality is, is you can't have great health care, you can't have great education, you can't have world-class uh, environment if you don't have a, uh, a world-class growing and strong economy. And that's critical in terms of that equation. So overall, how would you describe your political philosophy to people? Yeah, look, I'm uh, someone that's very much uh, evidence-based. I'm an accountant. I'm a finance guy. I look at data. I'm one that is very much take a global perspective uh, around issues, um, probably driven off the back that most of my career and my experience comes from operating offshore. And looking back to New Zealand more as a as a tourist, or when I came back here, I was often a tourist. So I could I could put New Zealand in the context of where it sat globally. Uh, and the reality is we are a small country at the bottom of the world. We do some things very well, but we've also got to be cognitive of in terms of the scale of our country in the context of other places globally. In terms of my political elements, I'm an evidence-based, so I very much have a centrist position around policy. And going back to the point I mentioned before, you know, if we're going to be spending money, it needs to create value. And if it's not, then we shouldn't be spending it. How would you describe your policy on social issues? So actually, I'm a, one of the aspects around me that makes me reasonably unique is I'm a frontline uh, emergency ambulance officer and studied paramedicine, actually. Uh, so I still uh, operate uh, frontline. I actually did an ambulance shift on Saturday night uh, in my local electorate. And so the ability to be a CFO and a finance specialist and someone with a global perspective, but also understand what the reality is of some of the social challenges that we deal with day in, day out, I think gives me a richer perspective to be able to say when we're investing in elements around you know, society or societal issues or social issues, we need to get that payback. And so if we're using examples around that, you know, I go into houses sometimes, you know, and the walls are covered in black mould and I'm, I'm going in there because, the, you know, the kid or the, the baby has got trouble breathing. Well, that's no surprise, right, mm. because you've got mould on the roof. But the underlying root cause of that is, well, I might help and fix that kids' breathing problems right there, right now. The issues go right back in terms of the underlying root causes around the quality of housing. You know, it goes right back around the actual the employment status of those individuals. It goes back to the fact that without a strong economy and getting those people into work, then we're going to have those problems. So you can't just deal with the, what you can see at the surface. You've actually got to deal with the root cause. How do you transition from being a suit and tie in Parliament to being a volunteer ambulance driver? Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess it's the flexibility of growing up. Maybe it, maybe it's the rural background. You know, it was it was practical upbringing. I'm a practical type guy. But what's similar around you know this job here in Parliament or or a senior executive role in investment banking or working as an ambulance officer is you know I'm a very self-driven person. You've got to get decisions right first time. It's about attention to detail. It's about making a difference, and it's about the you know the attitude and energy that you bring to all of those roles. 
Um, you know, ambulance, as I said, I can make a difference for one person at a time. And the role that I've got here in Parliament, I have the potential to be able to influence some of the policy perspective that's going to impact this entire country. And, and that is a hugely humbling uh, aspect, part of this role, and something I take very seriously. So on the on the issue of policy, you're the National Party spokesperson for ACC. Um, what do you see the key issues there? Yeah, look, I think the challenge is with ACC is around the, uh, you know, there's people within the system that are missing out at the moment. And there's definitely good some examples of, of what we refer to as, um, you know, the, the processes and the procedures around that mean that, you know, some some get, um, you know, their claims approved and others don't. And so there's an element of, well, is the system fair? Um, I think from my perspective, you know, we need to make sure that, that the allocation of uh, ACC, particularly around rehabilitation and that, is correlated with outcomes that derive value, you know. Uh, and you know, some of the readings that I've had already is, is that, you know, we're actually, you know, in some cases, hand, you know, money's going out the door and we're not really sure what the, what the value or the outcome of, is of that. And we just don't have that. That needs to be looked at. Uh, we need to be reviewing that because we don't have the luxury of that under the current fiscal climate. So it's no surprise, given your background in the health industry, that you're an associate spokesperson for health. What are the key issues there? I mean, what ones are you particularly working on? Yeah, so my background is obviously within the district health board structure. Um, I understand as the, as the deputy chief financial officer around how a, a district health board operates. The challenges around health are really managing the, the trade-off between unlimited demand and finite resource, right? And so if you take it back, <laughs> the challenge is an economic one underpinned you know, within a health environment. You know, I can speak and understand some of the clinical aspect from my frontline aspect, but the ability to understand that fiscal trade-off uh, decision in the context of what is a clinical area, I think is a quite a unique skill set because, you know, there is a across all portfolios, um, we can't just keep throwing more money in um, as the default answer. Um, you know, it's got to come from somewhere. And, uh, you know, my, my perspective is just to be able to look at the investment that we're making within that sector and, and are we getting value for money? Um, so tough question for you now. Um, you are the last ranked national MP. Is that just the tyranny of alphabetical order for the new class? Yeah, I can probably blame my parents for uh, for the surname. Uh, that you know, don't forget uh, one of the, our you know more recent famous uh, prime ministers in the National Party uh, also was ranked last uh, when he came in. Uh, so I don't take that as a negative thing. Uh, we are, we are, and no different in this job to working in the private sector. You are managed by what you do and your performance. And that is, in, that is the arena and the environment that I am most comfortable in. That's my expectation of my people and the team around me um, is, is that we are measured by what we do, not by what we say. And so I am take that as a challenge. You know, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I've only been in this place 50 days. Uh, and uh, I think we're already starting to make you know, some positive steps forward. Speaking of arena, uh, what is Parliament like as a place to work and what were your biggest surprises uh, coming into it? Yeah, it's it's very different to any other workplace. It's unique. You know, I thought working in investment banking and a trading floor in, in, you know, in Europe or in London was quite unique, but you come here and it, it is different. Look, the reality is, is that people here genuinely are here for the right reasons um, across the spectrum. I think how we get from where we are today to where we want to be in the future is different pathways. And, 
you know, what I've been really, you know, what gives me confidence is the quality of the intake from the National Party uh, at 2020. We've got five new MPs. We are all very different in terms of the background experience that we bring to, to this place. But we have a common thread, and that is around a real appetite for performance, a real appetite for not accepting that the status quo is where we should be. And I guess an aspiration across the group and the broader caucus, you know, that we have the opportunity here to make this place better and we're going to make the most of every day. So on that theme, when you eventually leave Parliament, which given your electorate is not likely to be very soon, uh, what would you like your legacy to be? What would you like to be remembered for? Yeah, look, it's interesting. I mean, I always joke I could I could be here for twenty years and I'll still be in my fifties. So I'm, you know, it's not going to be an age related aspect. You know, the reality is is that I've articulated a number of projects and, and large scale aspects that will derive value for the North Shore, uh, and I'm going to be part of ensuring that those projects are put in play. I think, you know, I've got young kids, my boys are eight and 10, and, uh, you know, they're going to be inheriting, you know, the decisions that uh, that I and my colleagues make through our time in the next period. And I don't want to get to my retirement age, whatever, if, if you ever retire, and I don't necessarily think you do, but, you know, and, and they're going to say, well, Dad, you had an opportunity to make a difference or do these things. So why didn't you do it? Because, you know, and I think that's what drives me. So there's a number of projects that I've got on my list of priorities, and I just want to work on uh, getting those done. So you're giving your maiden speech in the middle of February next year. What sort of themes do you think that you'll be exploring? Because it's a very important speech that people will quote back to you for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually quite good to have a bit of time. One, I get to watch everyone else's faded <laughs> speeches, um, except for my three other colleagues in National who will speak the day after. But um, look, I'm going to, one, obviously acknowledge you know, the people that have been part of my roadmap uh, and my journey to here. I'll be wanting to articulate really clearly in terms of, you know, my aspiration uh, for this country uh, and my aspiration around specifically the aspects of uh, that are important to me, um, and we've sort of talked about a few of those aspects here in terms of areas today, and I guess also give people a bit of context of what drives me, what what makes me as a, you know as a person, what are some of those elements that that rounds me out as an individual, so that I think um, you know. People can understand who I am and give them a level of confidence that, you know, uh, we're in good hands. Okay, we're going to, um, well, actually, no, tell me a little bit about the North Shore um, electorate. What does the, the North Shore mean to you? Yeah, well, North Shore is home. It is a stunning electorate in terms of, you know, uh, beaches and, um, you know, I always joke with my fellow MPs that, you know, when they come and visit, they go, geez, this place is not bad. And, and I think, you know, with the America's Cup that's on at the moment, you know, and, and the ability to stand on Takapuna Beach and watch some of those rocket ships sort of sail past, you, you sort of pinch yourself and go, you know, this is a great place. I think the element around innovation and business, which is a real key interest for mine, is also there as well. You know, the North Shore is not a backwater. It's actually the home of some really talented startup businesses, um, technology startup, health startup. And, you know, those people and individuals that that start those businesses or, or run some of New Zealand's largest businesses live on the shore. So I think we've got a huge amount of talent. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to trying to, you know, galvanise that and, and make the North Shore even better. 
Fantastic. So to finish off, uh, five quick fire questions uh, that are a little uh, lighter in tone. Uh, what's your favourite book? Favourite book? Look, I uh, I'm actually reading the the um, the Ford Motor Group uh, story uh, from the CEO uh, at the moment. I like a good autobiography or a business uh, story, so uh, that's what I'm on at the moment. Who is your favourite New Zealand music act? Oh well. You know, I've always been uh, fans of uh, the Finns. Um, I grew up in, in Cambridge. They were a Taumudu uh, family, so uh, that's always been close to home, Neil. Who's the most famous person you've ever met? Well, I've seen the – I've well, met. Probably it'd be um, – I was, attended the royal wedding when I was in the UK, um, and so I haven't met the queen, but I've seen the, I've seen the cart go past pretty close, and, uh, you know, I think – there was one thing about the UK, and they do their ceremonies and all of that very well. Uh, and you know, as a as a as a guy from a country at the bottom of the world, going to a big place like that in a big city and seeing that element of that, you know, you you feel proud. You know, are you a cat person or a dog person? Oh, gee, here's a go. So this is this is you've got onto. You might have been speaking to my wife. So. Um, yeah, I'm a. I love dogs, right? I'm an outdoors guy. I grew up with dogs, um, but at this stage, I haven't got the official sign off to get a dog. Uh, we've got a cat, um, but we're still going through that negotiation phase at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'll give me. An, I'll give you an update in about six months' time. Your Proper wife. dog as well. Not a. I'm not talking. You know, I'm talking. You know, retriever type dogs here. Yeah. Your wife is innocent. I did some research, <laughs> but not that much research. <laughs> Um, so the final question, um, and this is probably the hardest one, what is your prediction for the next election? Look, I think uh, National can win the next election, and I don't say that lightly. I think, as I've talked about before in terms of that focus uh, within caucus, and I, I can't speak for prior, I mean, I only can speak for what I've seen in the last 50 days, but there is an absolute you know, crystal cut focus around the fact that we are where we are and we need to win and we need to get stronger and better every day. We need to ensure that we are not distracted and we need to stay focused. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's all for us to go for at the moment. And I think that's what makes this job so exciting. Well, look, I'd really like to thank you for your time today. It's been a very interesting and wide ranging conversation and uh, wish you well for the next 50 days. Excellent. Really appreciate your time as well.